This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black on Federal News Network. One-on-one interviews with the people who have left a lasting imprint on the government and the nation. Now your host, Aileen Black. Welcome to Leaders and Legends in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking with Mary Davey. Now, Mary Davey has had a 34-year career. She has held numerous positions throughout the government, um, leadership positions, I might add. Mary currently serves as a Deputy Associate Administration for Missions Directorate Support at NASA. Prior to joining NASA in 2020, Mary served in multiple leadership positions at the General Services Administration, including Acting Commissioner of Federal Acquisition Service and the Deputy Commissioner of Federal Acquisition Service. So, Mary, what an honor. Um, Thank you for joining us here at Leaders and Legends. Well, thank you, and it's great to uh, talk to you again. So, Mary, I have to, uh, you know, there's always one question I always ask at the beginning of every show. Can you describe your leadership style? Yes. Um, I would say, first and foremost, values-based. And what I mean by that is, regardless of the organization uh, that I'm working in or leading, regardless of maybe the situation, I always look at it from what's the right thing to do for the right reason what's best for the organization, what's best for the employees, and really in the government's case, what's best for the taxpayer. So, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to um, lead and work in a number of different organizations that had different uh, challenges or things that were going on. And so I just sort of always lead from the value side of things. And then I also um, am deliberate about being inclusive uh, with the not only the leadership team, but just the employees. Um, I think, you know, we're all in it together and everybody is doing their best to work toward, um, you know, just doing great things. And so I want to make sure in all situations, I'm able to hear from different people. Um, I like to hear, you know, different ideas, bring their different experiences, Um, you know, whether or not we all agree, you, you need to hear the things. And then, you know, at the end of the day, as the leader, you're expected to make the decision, but I like to make sure that everybody's included and they feel like they are able to, you know, uh, contribute and and voice their opinion, whatever that might be. I also like to create connections with employees. So throughout the organization, um, you know, just have relationships with people and kind of bring, you know, maybe this is an overused term, but my authentic self, which means um, I'm just going to be who I am. Um, uh, not necessarily regardless of the situation, but people know that, you know, they're going to know who I am in different situations. And um, I feel like just, you know, having the relationships with people uh, makes a, a huge difference. And then, of course, just being very open and honest about, you know, what's going on. And if we have challenges or problems, you know, making sure that people are aware of those. But again, making them feel like we're all on one team and we can figure this out and solve for it together. Fantastic. I know you are in a unique position. I know uh, in leadership positions I have held, I've walked into the corner suite executive uh, meeting room and nobody looks like me. Um, as a woman leader, you, have you had a change to your approach because you're dealing in a male dominated situation? Um, yeah, I think we've all been through different 
experiences. I, I will say that I was really lucky when I started with GSA. Um, I was a summer hire still in college between my junior and senior year. And I was lucky enough to land in a group that um, was women and men, almost, I would say, equally from both a team standpoint, as well as in some of the kind of the management positions. Um, <clears throat> and when I got there, they really made me feel like I was part of the team and really um, took the time to mentor me, develop me, include me. And I got to see a really great team dynamic amongst them where they worked well together, they respected each other, they had a lot of fun together, they were really good at what they did. And so throughout, um, I would say sort of, you know, my developing time uh, professionally, I worked around um, a, a group of folks, you know, that were really kind of from different backgrounds, different experiences, both male and female. And so I felt, I never felt like there weren't women in positions, for instance, that I could aspire to. I did sometimes encounter <clears throat> situations where, you know, especially as I was um, pretty uh, early in my career, you know, or maybe I was competing for promotion and, and there was, you know, uh, an instance where one of the older male leaders said, well, we, we couldn't possibly promote her. She's too young and, and inexperienced. And, you know, I thought about that. And I said, well, maybe what I need to do is just, you know, continue to, um, work as hard as I can and kind of prove myself and demonstrate my skills and abilities and, you know, gain the confidence of, of this person. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think throughout the, you know, anybody's career, you're going to have different and challenging situations. There were certainly times too, where, you know, especially in the technology field, I'd go to a conference and 80% of the folks, um, the people that were men and, you know, you look around the room and you might feel intimidated for a minute, but I think, you know, if you, if you can just show up and have the confidence and, you know, understand that we're all again, equal um, and doing uh, the best that we can, then, you know, you, you can just sort of build that internal confidence. And especially when you have really good people around you that do believe in you, that's certainly helpful. And I've always encouraged people, you know, if you're not in that kind of situation, you don't have to stay. So uh, in the past, you've, you've worked with quite a few great leaders. Does any come to mind that gave you some key advice that you've used throughout your career? Yeah, there were a couple of um, leaders. I mean, again, really lucky to have worked for for many. And I, I'm still today, you know, kind of a student of leadership. I love to watch people, regardless of their position, to see, you know, how they might lead in a certain situation. Of course, you learn good stuff and you learn the stuff that you say, well, you know what, I don't think I want to lead that way or or interact with people that way. So it's always a good learning experience. Um, I was lucky enough to work with a uh, strong female leader who was also one of the first, she was in the first class of women at West Point. And so she was new to um, the organization. She'd come from you know, a, a DOD um, position previously. And so there was a bit of, you know, maybe a cultural conflict in terms of her style and the organization style, but she always took the seat at the table, always, you know, was just um, strong, determined, really smart. And, you know, even in, I would say, situations where maybe there were differing opinions or different, um, 
different ways of you know trying to do things, she would really stand her ground and stand up for what she felt was the right thing to do, the best thing to do. Um, and and so I got to watch that, and you know see that you can still be successful um, even if there is you know a disagreement. And I just felt like she was just such a, a great person and also a lot of fun to be around. Um, and then I had another uh, leader later in my career at GSA, uh, Jim Williams, yes, I will name him, um, who really sort of stood up for me in a very challenging time uh, as we were creating the Federal Acquisition Service and we were dealing with um, the Assisted Acquisition Service, uh, very public audits with DOD and, and GSA. And um, we had to take some... Uh, so it's just really a challenging time for the employees, the organization, for the agency itself, and um, really figure out kind of our way through that. And I always felt really supported by him, um, you know, given the very challenging time that we had. And then we were also trying some new things with the Open Government Directive, you know, back in 2008 and how we might use uh, collaboration platforms and social media to make the federal acquisition process more open and transparent. Nobody had ever kind of done this before. And he just said, go for it, you know, go do what you think you can, you know, pull off and I will support you. And he did. It's, it's almost like, I believe in you, no questions asked. Um, and I will stand behind you to help make this happen. And that's just a really empowering feeling that gives you a lot of confidence um, when you think that you've got the support that you need to maybe try something new and different, and a little risky. Did you ever have a lesson early in your career that you wish everybody learned um, to be a great leader? Um, Maybe an aha that's moment. That's a great question. Yeah, so I, I, again, I was put into some management positions fairly early. And with, so, at, you know, GSA is a fee-for-service-based organization, and so a lot of what we were doing, um, the organization I was in at the time with the assisted acquisition is, you know, supporting other federal agencies with uh, uh, procurement. And so I had a portfolio of um, several DOD customers and, you know, part of my job, in addition to obviously supporting them and, and doing procurement well so that they could execute their mission was to grow the portfolio. And I was um, kind of learning as I went and, trying to best support these clients. But again, because I had such a great leadership team behind me, I felt like I had the support that I needed to do what I you know, needed to be able to do. But I remember thinking one day, I think I finally get this. And then when you finally feel like you understand it, you get it, you can deliver. It just gives you like a whole new set of, you know, of confidence in terms of what you feel like you could achieve. And so that really, you know, stuck with me. And I've always recognized when I'm in a position um, where I feel like I, you know, this may sound silly, but I, I really get it. Then you just feel like almost the sky's, you know, the limit, or in some cases, it's it's not the limit, right? Now, the universe, um, speaking from NASA's perspective, but um, it just really helps to, uh, you know, just understand, know what you can do, know what's possible. Um, and have that confidence. And then I think, again, it's almost like, you know, there's nothing you can't tackle. So did you have any, what obstacles and challenges did you encounter on a personal basis that you had to overcome to find that authentic self that, you know, could figure out what was possible? 
to become an effective leader. Um, so I was a single mother um, fairly early in my career with two uh, sons. And, you know, I wanted to make sure that I was present in all the things that they were involved in, you know, whether it was school or uh, sports activities or other things. And so it was really this balance of how do you continue to grow and develop in your career and show people at work, for instance, that you're going to show up, that they can count on you, but then also, you know, give your family and in this case, young children, absolutely, you know, the priority and the attention that they, they need um, and deserve. And so again, luckily, I worked in an organization that allowed for, um, you know, a bit of flexibility. And we were, we were teleworking back before that was even a term. And again, just because of the, the model that we were um, on site with a lot of our clients, a lot of the time we were mobile anyway. And so I could work from anywhere. And that was really, really helpful to be able to have that balance that I needed. But then at the same time, uh, be able to get the professional development experience, the training that, you know, I, I, I was given and, and needed, and then get to work around um, the other more senior uh, people and managers and leaders in the organization for the, the growth. Um, so I think, you know, just I look back on that and I always wonder, well, could I have done anything differently? Of course, the answer is yes, but you do the best that you can, you know, at the time uh, that you're going through it and hope again that, you know, you have the support of, of the organization. And in this case, I did. So I felt really, really fortunate. I recognized it at the time and, you know, I've recognized it ever since that sometimes people aren't that fortunate and um, you can really struggle through uh, a situation. It's not not easy. We all have something going on most of the time, right, that, that people are dealing with and you have to understand that and recognize it and figure out how to best support people. I'm speaking with Mary Davey, Deputy Associate Administrator, Mission Support Directorate at NASA. After break, we'll discuss developing your own authentic leadership style. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black, and today I'm talking with Mary Davey, Deputy Associate Administration, Mission Direct Support Director at NASA. Mary, in the last segment, we talked about your leadership style. You uh, we talked about overcoming personal obstacles, and then you said something about finding your authentic self. Was what was that point where your authentic leadership style, and you felt that it was comfortable to be who you are? Um, I think. What was also helpful to me was uh, my mother um, from a very, from when I was very young, really just encouraged me to speak up and stand up for myself. And um, I could tell some funny stories about when I was really young in elementary school uh, and, you know, just saying I needed to do something to the principal of the school. Um, but I think that was really helpful. It gave me the confidence to say, you know, I, I count and I have a voice. And if I need something or have an idea, I should be able, you know, to speak up. Um, and so that has, I think, also given me the, the place where I think everybody should have that voice and that ability to speak up. And, you know, when I talked in the uh, earlier about, you know, being inclusive and making sure that everybody does have a voice at the table and being collaborative, I think that that's just really, really important. The organization and what you're doing can't be successful unless everybody who's there has the ability to contribute. Um, 
and you know, again, the personal relationships, just having fun, I think um, matter a lot. And again, early on, that's what I was shown in the organizations that I was working in. And it just gives you the sense of you can speak up, you can do anything and you can do it being who you are. Uh, obviously you have to adapt your, maybe your style, your approach, depending on who you're working with, you know, working in the organization where, you know, my home organization was very different in terms of the way that we communicated with each other than if I was presenting, you know, to a two-star general, you have to understand that. But at the same time, um, I think you should still feel comfortable mostly being yourself and, um, uh, I think that that's the consistency. People see that and I, they, they know what they're going to get and who they're going to get when they're dealing with you. And that also helps establish that, that trust. In your career, you had so many important and very impactful roles in IT and in acquisition. What is the most important type of decision you can make as a leader of an organization? That is a really interesting question. Um, so there was one uh, challenge which I talked about the uh, with the audits um, at GSA and assisted acquisition, and that was a really challenging time. Uh, one, what we had to first do was rebuild, and and what I mean by that is, you know, we had to regain confidence of the customers that we would handle their money appropriately, that we would conduct the acquisitions that you know we were authorized to conduct, and so we had we had kind of. Um, you know, the house was on fire, so to speak. Employees were really concerned about their own personal um, future, the future of the organization. Uh, this organization had been around a long time and not that anybody was doing anything purposefully wrong, but um, it, it put us in a really precarious situation, significant financial losses. And so it was, there was also a very distributed model. So that even though in the position I was in, I was accountable for the organization that I'd just taken over to fix, um, I didn't actually have all the authority. And so what I had to do is I'd recognize that you've got to bring people together that do have you know, the authority in their own area and sort of not just say, let's create a plan to fix this. But I thought it was really important at the time to create a vision for a really strong future so that employees could see where we were headed, our customers could believe in us again. So while we were really busy fixing all the things that we needed to fix, I told, you know, I, I put out this, the, a new vision that said, we're gonna be the leaders in federal acquisition and people are gonna want to follow us and we're gonna, you know, lead change in federal acquisition. And I remember some people saying, are you crazy? You know. People are running the other way from you. Uh, you've you know wasted a lot of money here, but you're saying you're going to lead you know all the federal acquisition to be the role model. And I said that's exactly what we're going to do. And so I felt that you know when you sometimes you have to make really hard decisions, but you have to sometimes be bold as well. And I think that's what really rallied people around. We got the entire you know GSA behind us and helping us solve the problem. Um, and the organization today is, you know, stronger than ever and, and one of the most reputable strong acquisition organizations in government. And uh, it was it was a challenge. But, um, you know, looking back, I think we we did really well in the way that we we approached it and tackled it. And, you know, a lot of it was a was a people decision, too, um, which can be really hard in order to solve financially. 
we had to actually um, move 40% of the workforce to other parts of GSA while we were also at the same time rebuilding. And, and, and that, was, that was really hard. And you have to really make sure that you take care of the people along the way. So when you're facing that kind of challenge and insurmountable odds, it, it, it sounded like at, at the time, or it probably felt like at the time. Yes. How do you how do you make people believe? Um, one of the things that I was lucky enough to do was sort of handpick the leadership team that was going to help solve for this. So you know, I needed somebody that had good relationships with the GSA regional leaders and had you know worked in that role. So I picked somebody you know from that um, function. I, you know, became best friends with the chief financial officer and the chief information officer because they were critical. And, you know, we worked really well together to kind of build a plan and then bring all the leaders in and communicate that, talk about where we were. The employees started to see progress. The customers started to see change, worked really closely, for instance, with the IGs um, along the way to show the progress and make sure that they felt we were on track with what we needed to do. Uh, and then at the end of it, um, it was about a year long process. You know, the IGs came back and not only said you fixed it, but you're, you're probably running one of the best organizations in the government in terms of how you're managing, what your processes look like, what your policy looks like, the changes you've made to systems, financial management. And I think that gave people a lot of confidence. You know, once we got that stamp of approval and customers started you know, to come back and we had people out in the field building relationships and, and just being open and honest about what had happened, why it had happened, but what we were going to do to commit, you know, that it not only wouldn't happen again, but here's why we were really strong um, and able to do that and just, you know, sort of created a new game plan for what we were going to, to be able to deliver. And I, it worked. So over time, have you changed your focus and time horizons as you've taken more senior positions? Um, it, you know, and is it different being where you came from, what type of organization or being a female? I mean, have you changed over time? Um, I don't know. I think I've, you know, probably just gotten more confident as I've been through more stuff, uh, had to deal with more stuff. Um, I just remember early on with some of the the big organizational changes and things, you tend to say, oh, well, this this won't be so hard. But, you know, you really underestimate <laughs> culture, um, how hard it can be to get people to kind of move through change, uh, resistance that you might get for one reason or uh, another. And so maybe you get to be more patient uh, as well while you're also, you know, continuing to push, you can't just say, well, things are going to take forever now because that's the way it is. Like, no, you know, how do you, what can you do um, in your role, regardless of where you are in the organization? You know, everybody can be and should be a leader in their own way, um, you know, to make stuff happen. And so, for instance, um, during the, the pandemic, I was only at NASA six weeks when we were sent home. And of course, we had no idea how long we'd be home. And for people in mission support, you could easily do your job from home. But the people that are, you know, building and designing and testing rockets and satellites and sending things up, including humans, um, can't do that from home. So the agency really shifted very quickly and, and 
you know, made it clear about, hey, people first, mission always, and we'll figure this out. Um, and I think just having the perspective of things are gonna happen, how do you come together to deal with it? Um, that becomes more and more real, you know, kind of the, the more senior that you get is, you know, and again, always take care of the people while making sure that you can pull off the mission. I'm speaking with Mary Davy, Deputy Associate Administrator, Mission Support Director at NASA. Next, we'll talk about being a leader that is trying to lead through change. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black, and today I'm talking with Mary Davy, Deputy Associate Administration, Mission Direct Support Director at NASA. Mary, in the last segment, we talked about your leadership style. You uh, we talked about overcoming personal obstacles, and then you said something about finding your authentic self. Was what was that point where your authentic leadership style and you felt that it was comfortable? to be who you are? Um, I think what was also helpful to me was uh, my mother um, from a very, from when I was very young, really just encouraged me to speak up and stand up for myself. And um, I could tell some funny stories about when I was really young in elementary school uh, and, you know, just saying I needed to do something to the principal of the school. Um, but I think that was really helpful. It gave me the confidence to say, you know, I, I count and I have a voice. And if I need something or have an idea, I should be able, you know, to speak up. Um, and so that has, I think, also given me the, the place where I think everybody should have that voice and that ability to speak up. And, you know, when I talked in the, uh, earlier about, you know, being inclusive and making sure that everybody does have a voice at the table and being collaborative, I think that that's just really, really important. The organization and what you're doing can't be successful unless everybody who's there has the ability to contribute. Um, and, you know, again, the personal relationships, just having fun, I think um, matter a lot. And again, early on, that's what I was shown in the organizations that I was working in. And it just gives you the sense of you can speak up, you can do anything, and you can do it being who you are. Uh, obviously, you have to adapt your, maybe your style, your approach, depending on who you're working with. You know, working in the organization where, you know, my home organization was very different in terms of the way that we communicated with each other than if I was presenting, you know, to a two-star general. You have to understand that, but at the same time, um, I think you should still feel comfortable mostly being yourself. And um, uh, I think that that's the consistency. People see that and I, they, they know what they're going to get and who they're going to get when they're dealing with you. And that also helps establish that, that trust. In your career, you had so many important and very impactful roles in IT and in acquisition. What is the most important type of decision you can make as a leader of an organization? That is a really interesting question. Um, so there was one uh, challenge, which I talked about the uh, with the audits um, at GSA and assisted acquisition, and that was a really challenging time. Uh, one, what we had to first do was rebuild. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, we had to regain confidence of the customers that we would handle their money appropriately, that we would conduct the acquisitions that, you know, we were authorized to conduct. And so we had 
we had kind of, um, you know, the house was on fire, so to speak. Employees were really concerned about their own personal um, future, the future of the organization. Uh, this organization had been around a long time and not that anybody was doing anything purposefully wrong, but um, it, it put us in a really precarious situation, significant financial losses. And so it was, there was also a very distributed model. So that even though in the position I was in, I was accountable for the organization that I'd just taken over to fix, um, I didn't actually have all the authority. And so what I had to do is and recognize that you've got to bring people together that do have, you know, the authority in their own area and sort of not just say, let's create a plan to fix this. But I thought it was really important at the time to create a vision for a really strong future so that employees could see where we were headed. Our customers could believe in us again. So while we were really busy fixing all the things that we needed to fix, I told, you know, I, I put out this, the, a new vision that said, we're going to be the leaders in federal acquisition and people are going to want to follow us and we're going to, you know, lead change in federal acquisition. And I remember some people saying, are you crazy? You know, people are running the other way from you. Uh, you've, you know, wasted a lot of money here, but you're saying you're going to lead, you know, all the federal acquisition and be the role model. And I said, that's exactly what we're going to do. And so I felt that, you know, when you, sometimes you have to make really hard decisions, but you have to sometimes be bold as well. And I think that's what really rallied people around. We got the entire, you know, GSA behind us and helping us solve the problem. Um, and the organization today is, you know, stronger than ever and, and one of the most reputable strong acquisition organizations in government. And uh, it was, it was a challenge, but um, you know, looking back, I think we we did really well in the way that we we approached it and tackled it. And you know, a lot of it was a was a people decision too, um, which can be really hard. In order to solve financially, we had to actually um, move forty percent of the workforce to other parts of GSA while we were also at the same time rebuilding. And 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 that was that was really hard. And you have to really make sure that you take care of the people along the way. So when you're facing that kind of challenge and insurmountable odds, it, it, it sounded like at, at the time, or it probably felt like at the time. Yes. How do you how do you make people believe? Um, one of the things that I was lucky enough to do was sort of handpick the leadership team that was going to help solve for this. So you know, I needed somebody that had good relationships with the GSA regional leaders and had, you know, worked in that role. So I picked somebody, you know, from that um, function. I, you know, became best friends with the chief financial officer and the chief information officer because they were critical. And, you know, we worked really well together to kind of build a plan and then bring all the leaders in and communicate that, talk about where we were, the employees started to see progress, the customers started to see change, worked really closely, for instance, with the IGs um, along the way to show the progress and make sure that they felt we were on track with what we needed to do. Uh, and then at the end of it, um, it was about a year long process, you know, the IGs came back and not only said you fixed it, but you're, you're probably running one of the best organizations in the government in terms of how you're managing, what your processes look like, what your policy looks like, the changes you've made to systems, financial management. And I think that gave people a lot of confidence. You know, once we got that stamp of approval, 
and customers started, you know, to come back and we had people out in the field building relationships and, and just being open and honest about what had happened, why it had happened, but what we were going to do to commit, you know, that it not only wouldn't happen again, but here's why we were really strong um, and able to do that and just, you know, sort of created a new game plan for what we were going to, to be able to deliver. And I, it worked. So over time, have you changed your focus and time horizons as you've taken more senior positions? Um, it, you know, and, and is it different being where you came from, what type of organization or being a female? I mean, have you changed over time? Um, I don't know. I think I've, you know, probably just gotten more confident as I've been through more stuff, uh, had to deal with more stuff. Um, I just remember early on with some of the the big organizational changes and things, you tend to say, oh, well, this, this won't be so hard, but you know, you really underestimate <laughs> culture, um, how hard it can be to get people to kind of move through change, uh, resistance that you might get for one reason or uh, another. And so maybe you get to be more patient uh, as well while you're also, you know, continuing to push, you can't just say, well, things are going to take forever now because that's the way it is. Like, no, you know, how do you, what can you do um, in your role, regardless of where you are in the organization? You know, everybody can be and should be a leader in their own way, um, you know, to make stuff happen. And so, for instance, um, during the, the pandemic, I was only at NASA six weeks when we were sent home. And of course, we had no idea how long we'd be home. And for people in mission support, you could easily do your job from home. But the people that are, you know, building and designing and testing rockets and satellites and sending things up, including humans, um, can't do that from home. So the agency really shifted very quickly and, and, you know, made it clear about, hey, people first, mission always, and we'll figure this out. Um, and I think just having the perspective of things are gonna happen how do you come together to deal with it? Um, that becomes more and more real, you know, kind of the, the more senior that you get is, you know, and again, always take care of the people while making sure that you can pull off the mission. I'm speaking with Mary Davey, Deputy Associate Administrator, Mission Support Director at NASA. Next, we'll talk about being a leader that is trying to lead through change. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black, and today I'm talking with Mary Day, Deputy Associate Administrator, Mission Support Directorate at NASA. Um, Mary, uh, there has been so many articles and so many new programs that are coming out, especially around the Department of Defense, trying to bring innovation to the government. You, your roles have been right there at that nexus of both acquisition and, and technology. Most point to the acquisition process as being the biggest hurdle. Uh, if you were to give, be given, you know, a couple of wishes, three wishes to change the process to ignite innovation, to help our federal government bring that to the very important missions that they have, what advice would you have? I think, um, yeah, so that's that's been something that I have thought about, dealt with, tried different things um, throughout my career. And oftentimes the government will say, you know, we need to ignite, ignite innovation. We need to bring, um, allow the ability for, you know, our partners out in industry to bring an innovation. 
sometimes I feel like we don't actually know what we mean when we say that. I think that's that's problem number one is what do we really mean when we say that? Is it things like AI and ML or, you know, uh, different ways of, of delivering, different ways of doing things? Oftentimes we in government struggle with how we write the requirement to allow for that and then to be able to evaluate the proposals that may be very different on an even playing field, right? And then convey how we've evaluated to allow for that innovation. Oftentimes, you know, we're still stuck in, well, we wrote the requirement this way and we need you to do it this way, but yet we want you to be innovative, right? So that's very hypocritical. Um, if we're being so prescriptive, it's not going to allow for that. And I think part of the challenge that we have is we need to train our people to think differently in how they use the federal acquisition process. We've, we've just been going through this with, um, with a requirement at, at NASA, and we wrote this whole paragraph in about innovation. And I said, okay, but how are we going to allow for people to bring in very different solutions? And then we evaluate that so that they understand how we've evaluated and how we might then embrace it, right, and allow for it. So a lot of like conversations around that, I think people are really opening up to how to do things a little bit differently, but we have to get, we have to do it faster as well. That's another wish, you know, it's slow sometimes. And how can you break things up into more sort of agile ways, but also convey here's long-term where we need to be headed. Here's what we want this to look like. And you know, we talk about, we want outcomes instead of outputs. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's a people challenge. It's a current process challenge but you know some of the things for instance that nasa is doing is we work a lot through partnerships um, and that allows for different entities to bring new and different thinking new technologies and sort of test through it with us um, you know different authorities are out there so really thinking beyond the, the current sort of traditional procurement process i think and taking advantage of what's um you know, what's really out there. And, and that's, that would be a huge wish as well. You have had such a long distinguished career in public service. Um, I understand you're retiring. So uh, tell us what's next. Yes, I am uh, at the end of the month. It's, it's hard to believe it's already that time. Um, again, what a fun, wonderful time that I've had. I've been really, really fortunate. And so what I want to do is continue to uh, serve government just from a different perch. Um, and, you know, we'll do some, some consulting that way uh, to help um, the private sector do business with the government in, in, in new and different, better ways maybe, and then do um, more work uh, on the mentoring side of things. I've been part of uh, ACT IACT for a long time. That was an organization that has helped me throughout my career. And I want to continue to give back there, continue to do more um, with Virginia Tech, you know, with students and helping build out curriculums. And I think the business side of things is just super important too and applies, you know, regardless. So um, just spending kind of more time doing things like that. So do you uh, give advice to when you're mentoring people about, um, you said you building relationships. I heard that over and over again and, and yeah. um, uh, people. So what advice do you give your mentees about how to build that network? 
um, get involved in different ways and different things, different organizations. There's plenty of them out there. Um, and, and, and be involved in, in, um, in different ways. So, you know, I was doing professional development programs, but then I would also uh, volunteer to help put events together. I was on the board um, and just, you know, continue to create the network because it's going to give you the relationships that you'll have, you know, throughout your, your life and your, your career, the friendships, the trust. Um, and, you know, also the thing that I, I tell them is don't be afraid to try something new and different that might be outside of your comfort zone, raise your hand, do different things. You know, one thing might lead to the next thing that you never would have thought about, or maybe have been presented if you hadn't just raised your hand and said, I'll try it. And that was always, um, really beneficial to me as well. Your career has been such a success and you truly have been inspirational. Um, you know, you focused a little bit on, on career and, and government, but you said you had two sons and any final pearls of wisdom that you would have for, you know, maybe even 18 year old, uh, Mary, who was going out there to, to find the career that you clearly have as much passion about and success as you had. Um, I would say again, you know, try something and it may or may not work out, but even if it doesn't work out, you'll learn something from it. Um, and again, it may lead to, to something else. And, and at the very least, you'll learn what you don't like or you don't want to do. Whenever I was given an opportunity for a new role or a new position, I, I would think about it in terms of, am I the right person for this, you know, at this time? But then I would also say, am I going to enjoy this? Is this going to be fun for me, given the kind of thing that I think I like to do or what I'm, I'm good at? And so that's, again, some of the things that I'll talk to the, the students about is, you know, they're always, even on their internships, they're just not quite sure. I said, just go try it. It's a temporary thing. Um, you may like it, you may not like it. If you don't like it, then you know you don't like that. You can, you know, try something else the next time. You've been listening to Leaders in Legend and Government. My guest today has been Mary Davey, Deputy Associate Administrator, Mission Support Directorate at NASA. Mary, I just want to thank you uh, for your 34 years of public service to our nation and sharing your personal journey and some very interesting advice today. Well, thank you so much. It's been great. I'm Aileen Black. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black. Subscribe to this podcast at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. One of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. 
Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC.